Dare Mighty Things, NASA's Perseverance rover has landed successfully on Mars and is sending back stunning images. And if that wasn't inspirational enough, there has been a very special astronaut announcement. And, inspired by Perseverance, we are persevering with our weekly plug of our social media pages. Please give a follow at Space and Things 1 on Twitter or get involved at Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And a very special thank you to all who hit the share button or who have donated or joined our Patreon page. You are the best, but all we want right now is for you to sit back and enjoy episode 26 of the Space and Things podcast. You're listening to the Space and Things podcast with Emily Carney and Dave Giles. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode 26 of our podcast. Uh, It's not Groundhog Day, I promise. I know we said we'd bring the 50th anniversary of Apollo 14 episode this week, but our guest is still caught up with this uh, horrible weather that's been going on in Texas, so we've had to delay, and we're going to wait until all the dust settles on that, and then we'll rearrange. Uh, But it's not like we don't have anything to talk about this week, but before we get to that, Emily, happy birthday. How was it? Oh, it was awesome. I had a wonderful day. Yeah, I had a great I had a great I had a great day and a great weekend and yeah, me and my family did we did some things. Uh, don't worry, we're all we were all safe, so we we didn't uh, uh we were all well and safe, so we were okay. And uh yeah, I I did a lot of did a lot of cool stuff, got a lot of great wishes. So, uh thanks to everybody who wished me happy birthday out there. I I saw all of it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was an awesome day. Thank you. Yeah, and you got to watch the first episode of For Mankind again, so that can't be that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to mention the ship that shall not be named, but uh, yeah, I got to see it again on my. I got to see it again on my birthday, so I was pretty happy. Excellent. Excellent. Um, right. So there's loads to talk about today. So let's just let's just get on with it, shall we? Yes! You're listening to Space and Things. Okay. I'm pretty sure that there was only one launch this week to report. On Saturday the 20th of February, over at Wallops Island, Virginia, Northrop Grumman launched a Cygnus cargo ship on top of a two-stage Antares rocket. It's a supply ship which has been named SS Catherine Johnson in honour of the NASA mathematician who unfortunately passed away last February aged 101. Uh, she was made famous with the release of the Hidden Figures movie which was uh, came out in 2016. Uh, now this, this ship, uh, this spacecraft travelled for two days before it reached the International Space Station where it was captured by astronaut Soichi Noguchi uh, using the robotic Canadram Two. Uh, the astronauts will uh, are currently unloading all their new goodies and toys, uh, and they're going to then fill it with trash before it departs in May to burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. Now, I said only one launch. There may have been a second in Iran, but it's all a bit sketchy. I'm going to put it in with the show notes. Uh, Elizabeth Howell wrote a wonderful article on space.com about this, but it's unsure. It was If it happened, it was a suborbital flight, but we're not sure. And it's really sketchy. So for now, we'll say there was one launch, but there may have been an Iranian one. We don't know. We don't know. All right. Sketchy. 
All right. Sketchy, yeah. After the sketchy stuff, uh, <laughs> also, it has been announced that on uh, February 25th, which is the day uh, this podcast is released, NASA and Boeing will have the second attempt of the hot fire test of the Space Launch System rocket. This test, known as the Green Run Test, is being done to try and ensure that the rocket will launch successfully for the uncrewed Artemis 1 mission. You may remember that the first test took place on January 16th and was cut short after 67 seconds of the planned eight-minute firing of the engines. Now, hopefully they fixed the problem that they found then, and we can get back on track for Artemis. Uh, NASA also announced that they have uh, delayed the launch of the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or the DART mission. It was planned to be launched between July 21st and August 24th, but because of a few technical problems, they're now looking at a launch window from November 24th to February 15th, 2022. Uh, this mission is attempting to crash a spacecraft, which is going to be launched on top of a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. California into a binary asteroid system or two asteroids to us normal folk there. Uh, there's <laughs> one big one called uh, Didymus and a small one called Dimorphus. Uh, it's a new planetary defense technique which is attempting to change the speed of the asteroids through uh, through this impact. If it works, and it potentially could be used if an asteroid was heading for Earth, which sounds like something out of a movie. And uh, while we're talking to sci-fi turned reality. Let's get to the juicy stuff. All right. Uh, we previewed this a couple of episodes ago, but NASA's Perseverance rover landed successfully on Mars last Thursday in Jezero Crater. Uh, I'm sure you all know this already because it's all over the news. And if you're into spaceflight and all, then you're definitely going to have enjoyed this. On Monday, the folks at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California gave a press conference where they showed the video of the rover's descent to the Martian surface and also played audio recorded from the surface of Mars using the uh, rover's microphone. Now, you've probably seen and heard these. Uh, if you haven't, I need you to stop the podcast right now <laughs> and stop what you're doing. Uh, seriously. Uh, the links are in the show notes, so uh, if you haven't seen them yet, or even if you maybe have seen them, uh, why don't you go watch and listen? Now, uh, what did you think? Oh my god. <laughs> How many times did you watch this? I haven't stopped watching it. It's my form of procrastination at the moment. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch that again. I'm just gonna, just wanna listen to that sound <laughs> of the wind again. It's weird because, like, for years, I've been trying to avoid capturing wind on microphones when I've been doing interviews or recording. You don't want to on the microphone. But I'm so excited about hearing that noise uh, coming from Mars. It's absolutely incredible. But oh, the, the, the press conference, when that video was first played, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe what we were watching. The definition and the, the, the colours and, and the detail, it was it was crazy. And you think that we've spent all of our adult life or all of our lives as kids, we've been watching those grainy moon landing videos and we love those from this from the Apollo program and this is the first time anyone has seen something similar coming from Mars and it's just so much higher quality as it should be it's 50 years later than what we what we were always have loved watching from the moon so this is oh, it's just crazy it just got me so excited about so many things that, that potentially are coming up yeah uh 
when I saw the uh, descent stage do the sky crane rem- maneuver and all that, uh, I thought I was going to drop dead or something because yeah. uh, it was just like, holy crap. That's something like you'd imagine from science fiction, you know, books and stuff like that. And I was just like, just seeing that with my own eyes when curiosity landed, that was awesome too. I remember reading about that whole, you know, what they did with the, the sky crane maneuver. And I was thinking like, you know, that's nuts, but it was hard to visualize it. I mean, there were NASA animations, we should say, but um, it was hard to kind of visualize it. You know, it's just like, wow, they they got a thing that's going to drop the rover off. Wow, that sure is neat. But yeah. being able to see it, and um, uh, another thing is a lot of people on the internet have noticed uh, there was no flames coming from it because I think that's probably because of the fuel and the atmosphere and everything there. But um, yeah, just being able to see that, you know, kind of lit up by... The, the sun on Mars was just like, what the heck? This is insane to me, you know? And um, also just being able to see the parachute with the sun gleaming on it, you know, <sighs> gleaming over it. You know, I know it sounds nuts, but I'm watching it and I'm like, man, there's the sun. I'm like, of course they have the same sun that we use over there. But, <laughs> you know, your brain is just kind of like, whoa, there's the sun. And you're like, I don't know. It's just it's just so weird seeing something happen in that environment. It looked familiar and foreign, like at the same time to me. It was very weird. Yeah, it was very weird. And I think there's a natural disconnect when you see uh, an animation of what something is supposed to be compared to the actual footage. There's clearly a disconnect there. It's so, such a different thing. Now, I do have a concern. Obviously. We are excited about this, but we are space nerds. We were always going to get excited about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, My yeah. concern is that because of movies and the nature of entertainment these days, that most people who watch this, like most general public people, aren't that impressed by it. Um, I've got nothing to base that on. Uh, but that's my concern that actually we, we are super excited, but how do we sell that excitement? How do we sell this two other people and I, th- I think that's the hard thing to do um, Like I was trying to get people to watch the, the landing on, on f- Thursday night and it was difficult because they're like oh what we're actually going to watch it land I was like no you, no, you can't that, that's not how we can yeah. do that yet that technology doesn't exist yet um, but you'll get to watch Mission Control and they're like what we're just going to watch people in Mission Control it's like look I assure you it's a lot more entertaining than you think <laughs> like it's amazing watching these people and watching their reactions and hearing the call outs from the, from the ship I assure you you're going to enjoy it and they did but it, it was an effort getting people to watch it yeah and then they all were like oh my god I'm so glad I watched that that's amazing so so exciting uh and then they've now watched the other video as well, and it's all been brought together. But some people don't get the excitement of why this is this is historic. We're living in the future. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like when I saw that video, I was like, "Man, the game has kind of been changed now because we're going to expect this from a lot of every other lander or every other rover that goes on another world now, almost because yeah. now they have the capability to do it." The only thing that I was kind of I wouldn't I wasn't disappointed by perseverance at all. But the only thing that kind of I was like, what is that? Um, a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook were like, man, why aren't we getting this sooner? I'm sure all the data from EDL. Do you know what EDL stands for? Entry, descent and landing, I think, is what it stands right, okay. for. Um, that whole process uh, 
first of all, you know, it has to go off without a without a hitch, pretty much. This is the first time that, you know, they've ever had this recorded, you know? I mean, from the perspective of the parachute, the perspective of the, the descent stage and the rover. So um, I'm sure there was uh, tons of data that had to come back from Mars, which is, you know, about 130 roughly million miles out. You know, it's it's pretty far away. You know, they have to communicate through the deep space network to get data. So I'm sure it was kind of like, OK, we got to get people working on this, you know, immediately day and night to get this out to the public. But uh, I was kind of disappointed because I think some people uh, in the public or even people on Twitter who are like space enthusiasts were like, why don't we have this sooner? And I'm like, I'm sure they're working as hard as they can to get this out. But um, it kind of speaks to what you said. I think people are used to sort of this instant gratification, you know, where, oh, we're going to see it immediately. And it's like, no, we haven't quite worked that out yet. Maybe yeah. someday we will where we can see a live Mars landing and that'll be awesome. Or not live. Yeah, the the 11 minute delay or whatever. But yeah. As live as maybe it we can. can you know, but um, I'm sure someday maybe we'll get to that point where it could be, you know, televised or something like that. But um, I'm just glad we got what we've got right now that because I felt like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Like you said, I'm used to watching that Apollo footage from the 60s and 70s. And it was awesome. But, you know, it, it was a little of its time. It was kind of grainy, you know, and um, most of the fun in listening to Apollo, um, the power descent is just listening to the guys talk and, you know, yeah. sort of their enthusiasm and stuff. And, um, just being able to see this happen on another planet that, you know, something that was not the moon, not nothing, nothing against the moon, um, to me was just like, holy crap, how, like, that's a completely other world, you know? Yeah. I think there's two other points which I'd like to raise based on what you've just said. Firstly, is that I think they wanted to present it correctly as well. Not only did they have to download all that data from Mars, which is crazy, they yeah. then have to figure out how to present it. Now, they could have drip-fred it out and let us dissect it, but the press conference on Monday was really good. The way they put it together, the video composition they'd done, and then the breaking it down the way they did and having the different people explain what was going on in each of the sections and slowing them down and pausing was really useful and very helpful, especially, well, I found it really useful. Uh, and then to be able to watch it back, I then knew exactly what I was looking at and was able to, to understand it even more. So I was really glad they took their time on it and that actually we got that package with the, with the commentary afterwards. I thought that was really helpful. And my other point, I think there are many people who weren't alive for the Apollo era who assume that during those Apollo landings, we were getting live footage from them. And we won. Yeah, we were not. They did have a broadcast camera, and, and some of those programs won awards. Uh, started on Apollo 7, and then moved right the way through. And by the time we got to Apollo 17, the quality of those images was better. Um, but it wasn't the real high-res stuff that we're seeing now that that's, we're now getting sent back from Mars. They did have cameras on board that were high-res and then had high-quality film on, but they had to be brought back to the Earth and then developed. Uh, it, it, it's it's hard to say, it's hard to compare uh, what we're getting now with what was happening then. And the Apollo 11 landing was not broadcast. And the, and even the, the footage we do have of it is at one frame a second, not at the 25 frames to 30 frames a second that you get now from cameras. So 
Even then, it's just not fair. I mean, even things like Earth Rise. Yeah. I mean, people. I think people think we got the Earth Rise photo as soon as they took it. Yeah, we saw it that night. It had to come home on a camera and then get developed. And even then, they had to do some work with it to make sure yeah. it was exactly what they wanted. And then they distributed it and put it on the uh, on all the web on on the websites on all the newspapers and sent it around the world. So I think some perspective needs to be had here that we're yeah. receiving these incredible images. Uh, and they're being sent all the way across space. It's absolutely wonderful what's going on. And uh, we should just appreciate it and not, not try and rush them into making sure that we get it early. That's just pointless. Exactly. Like, um, I was thinking today, oh, no, I'm going to have to mention uh, the word. Do it. <laughs> uh, um, on Skylab. Um, yeah. On Skylab, they had the, the solar, um, the uh, Apollo telescope mount, the, the telescope. And uh, it was heavily, it, it had, I want to say, uh, eight instruments, eight or nine instruments. I, pr- I probably am wrong. Uh, I, I know I have the book right in front of me of about solar experiments on Skylab, but they were able to do some real-time solar observations. They sort of had like a viewfinder thing on there, but um, they also had film, which the astronauts had to go and collect. They had to do EVAs and collect the film. And that wasn't developed until later. So a lot of the Skylab um, stuff people probably see nowadays, like say on, you know, if a TV show actually mentions Skylab and shows sort of a snippet of the, the film, that's probably something that, you know, people on the ground didn't see for quite some time afterwards. Mm. So, yeah, all that stuff had to be developed. They didn't have a dark room on Skylab. Yeah. They couldn't. Ed Gibson couldn't just go in and develop all that footage, you know? <laughs> he just They didn't have the room for that back then. Like you said, during those days, there wasn't instantaneous, you know, they could just beam a picture back. Uh, I remember even with New Horizons a few years ago, like five or six years ago, it took probably about a good, when it did the flyby, I want to say it took, I don't rem- my memory is probably isn't as great as yours, but um, it took probably about a day. F- Remember when we got the one really awesome picture of Pluto yeah. with the heart and we found out it had like sort of a heart on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't instantaneous, was it? And, and, and even no. then, it was like weeks before we got all of the files. It, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. sending files, like taking high high res photos and sending them across the solar system is not easy. It's incredible yeah. that we we get this stuff at all. Yeah, these targets are a ways out. You know, I that's another thing I was thinking actually today because uh, I was <laughs> uh, there was actually I there are a few threads on Twitter and Facebook. You know, people dissatisfied like why did it take you know a few days to get some the the footage and stuff like that. And I was thinking today. At work, I was like, you know, these targets, like, you know, I was thinking of New Horizons and I was thinking of, you know, Perseverance. And I'm like, you know, Mars is really far away and Pluto is really far away. Mm. Like that, like space is huge. I don't, I think people, when they think about things landing, think, you know, about the moon. And the moon is relative, I mean, it's 240,000 miles out which is a ways out, but it's relatively close compared to other solar system targets. So I think people think of things like in terms of the moon, where it's almost instantaneous, where you can send something and get something back, you know, whereas uh, other places are not like that. So I don't know. I think that's something that, you know, people need to think about is, you know, space is huge and these places are really far away. 
expectation <laughs> versus reality. I think I think with the New Horizons thing, they sent a really low res thing back fairly quick. Yeah, the same the same way we got the low res image from Perseverance fairly quickly after it landed. But the high res stuff takes longer. The 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 real stuff that you really want to see, and 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 it's one of those things. Yes, a low res like thing is still great, and it can get people excited. If the first image that it, people see, some some people won't give it, won't care about what the next image is. They're like, oh, I've seen that now. Even if the next image, which is going to be a lot better because it's taken a lot longer to get to us, is so much better in their heads, they've already seen it. Which is one of the annoying things about shortly after it landed suddenly all these videos are appearing all over twitter of uh composites of of panoramas from previous rovers with size seismology sounds that weren't a microphone saying this is the sound of mars and all that stuff that went on last week was very frustrating because it was taken away from the real moment that was about to happen and it yeah it was for, it was a frustrating weekend i think that that might be why some people are saying shouldn't nasa just get things out now because other people were trying to steal their thunder but fair play to them they didn't because they wanted to get it right and that was that was correct yeah i thought what they did was really awesome because i like you said uh i agreed with you i liked the way that it was presented you know because they stitched it together and sort of explained everything mm. and um it was just ooh it was that that like I said, like I said earlier, if you haven't seen that video yet, you have to stop. I mean, just pause this podcast. Just pause it yeah. and just go watch it right now. You have yeah. to see this. So, this so is- many great moments. The, the heat shield coming off. And you're like, wow, look at that. It was amazing. Yeah. And then as it got close to the surface and you suddenly see all the dust like moving across the surface, it was unreal. It's like, nah, I just uh, I just don't have the words, Emily. I just don't have the words. And the thing is, this whole thing just gets me even more excited for what we've got coming up. Yeah. Um, the, the Artemis program is going to be such a game changer because we're going to be going back to the moon with people, with high-res cameras uh, and, and a much better broadcast quality than we ever had in the Apollo program and we're going to be able to see the earth in ways that we've never seen with from a human perspective with people that are better media trained or better to suited to to present this information to us uh, and there's going to be it's not just going to be white men doing it it's going to be a representative of the world and there are other countries that are going to be involved all this stuff is just so exciting and it and this one project this perseverance project and this video highlights exactly how exciting this whole period is uh, and in our lifetime humans may be making that journey and we're getting for the first time that that visual of what that might be like for those people who do that journey i mean it's it just blows your mind like you said uh artemis i'm trying to wrap my mind around thinking about you know what it'll be like to see people step on the moon again with the technology we have now because I, I I still look back at a lot of the Apollo images, you know, now and I'm like, God, this is mind blowing. You know, yeah. I mean, these pictures are just beyond groundbreaking. I mean, this is just incredible. And we're going to see this stuff in, you know, such better resolution. It's going to be I mean, we're going to see stuff live from the moon that's going to look incredible. It's not going to be you know, the grainy kind of ghostly pictures of, you know, Neil and Buzz bouncing around on the moon. If perseverance is any indicator of what, you know, that'll look like, I mean, holy crap, I'm not going to be able to to get out from in front of the TV set. That's all I, I have to say. 
I'm not yeah. going to be able to deal with it. <laughs> I'm going to no, have to I, quit. I'm going to have to quit everything that whole time. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to call my boss like, yo, I quit. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to watch the moonwalk. Start saving your holiday days up. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm on vacation. Don't call me. You know, just, just, I'm just going to sit in front of the TV and watch this, you know, because seriously, like, we, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think this also just goes to highlight that NASA are ahead of the curve of all this kind of stuff. Um, I hope it's just not just a Western bias thing, but you look at the the recent uh, Emirates mission and the and the Chinese mission, and they haven't they didn't get anywhere near the press coverage that this has got. But then the images we're getting back from Perseverance are so much further down the line in terms of technology and what we're experiencing there. And also they take you, NASA take you along for the ride, being in mission control on Thursday and seeing the reactions of not just the people directly working the consoles, but the people around uh, around that. You felt part of the mission and you don't get that from China. You're not, you, you barely find out what they're doing. But with NASA, we, we're there. We're with them. We're going through it all. And to me, you know, I'm not even American, but but it doesn't matter. I'm part of it. I feel part of this big journey that we're having, and I'm inspired by it. And all weekend, I've just been full of joy. This whole mission has just filled me with joy. Uh, I'm buzzing. Yep, same here. Uh, it w- I really felt they just did it perfectly, you know. And um, really from the start, I've been kind of, you know, uh, I'm sort of a space history nerd, so I've been kind of going back and watching, you know, old videos too of like Vi- when Viking. You know, because that was it's hard to believe because uh, I just had a kind of a big birthday, but um, a little before my time. <laughs> and um, I, I remember Viking as a kid looking, you know, at the books a few years later, like, you know, around 1983, 84 or so. But um, I was watching sort of YouTube videos of, you know, the about the Viking program and looking back and, you know, you sort of. Of course, it's a lot different. You know, there's it's mostly got, you know, mostly white guys who are controllers, um, you know, but um, so the it's not as diverse, but you still see that excitement that people just I mean, they're just talking about the project and they're just lighting up, you know, because it was brand new. It was just something so groundbreaking at the time, you know, and um, you still see that spirit now. There's been a lot of changes, obviously, in the last 45. Holy crap, it's been that long, 45 years. But, um, you know, you still have that joy and like sense of newness when you're doing something like that. So I yeah. just I just love it. I thought it was really cool. And there's there's one other part of this mission I want to bring up, and that's the the secret message that was within the parachute. So the parachute was made up of this red and white material in various patterns, uh, and it was claimed that this is so that they can uh, see um, from different camera angles. They know exactly what they're looking at if the if the pattern is a certain way. But also, it contained a secret. It contained a secret code uh, in binary code, which is a language of computers, ones and zeros. But around the outside. They used binary code to uh, spell out the coordinates of JPL in California, which is a nice touch. But when the inner rims, uh, in the inner rings of the parachute, it spells out the phrase, Dare Mighty Things, which is the quote that Emily said at the very top of this podcast. Now, if you know me, you know that that's kind of how I live my life. The very fact I'm doing this whole Abbey Road project is a big 
mighty dream. And I think this all comes from the fact I'm so into the space program uh, and space flight in general. Because if you're going to do things in space, they are big and they are mighty and they're bold and they're risky. And, you know, you're putting things on top of giant rockets and you're sending them miles away. It's it is the ultimate dairy mighty things. And it's always inspired me in my life. So to see this this within a code, uh, it's it's such a wonderful piece of art. I think Todd Oliver, one of our uh, our, our friends of the podcast, uh, has said on Twitter, I saw him or Facebook somewhere, he said, I don't care if this cost a dollar or a hundred million dollars, it was worth every penny because this is the kind of art which absolutely inspires people. I agree totally. Yeah. I I gotta I have to admit when I found figured that out, when I heard about that, I gotta I didn't figure it out on my own. Uh, but I when I saw that for the first time, I got a big tear. I got tears in my eyes because that uh, that quote is from one of uh, America's great presidents, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and um, it's from a really awesome speech he did. And basically, the speech is, you know, I'm totally probably misquoting him, but the gist of the speech is, you know, although we may find our our path kind of checkered with failures, we're going to still continue to dare mighty things. And Amazing. I love, I love that because that's so like okay, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do stuff sometimes where we're like, oh, that didn't quite work out. But, you know, we're still, we're going to learn from those and we're going to accomplish, you know, the the next biggest thing, you know, and and surprise ourselves maybe. And I just, I love that spirit. I think that spirit really is kind of emblematic of the whole space program. I, I think all over the world, not just for the United States, but just kind of like, okay, you know, we're going to, do trial and error and figure out what works and you know maybe we'll end up all the way in mars and a martian crater and now we're there so yeah that's just yeah that's just incredible to me so i love it absolutely we're getting signals from mro tango delta touch on confirmed perseverance safely on the surface of mars ready to begin seeking the sands of past life And if that wasn't enough, there is even more exciting news. This story on Monday as well. It was like Monday was a great day. And this may have got buried a little bit because of the Mars stuff. Uh, but a few episodes ago, we reported that uh, we reported about the Inspiration 4 mission in which uh, billionaire Jared Isaacman has hired a SpaceX Dragon capsule and will take the first fully private crew into space. Uh, he's going to be flying flying himself, and he has set up competitions for two of the other seats, with the final seat being chosen by St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. And at a press conference, they announced that they have chosen 29-year-old Haley Arsenault. Uh, she's a physician assistant at the hospital, but what makes her story remarkable is that she was a former patient. When she was 10 years old, she had bone cancer, and uh, as a result, she had received metal rods to replace parts of the bones in her left leg, which will make her the first person to go to space with a prosthetic body part. So, oh, for a number of reasons, this is just an amazing story, and I don't know where to begin, Emily. I don't know where to yeah. begin, but you just can't help but smile. I know the interviews and the press conference is just wonderful. I started crying for, um, oh boy, I'm afraid I'll start crying now. Oh, J Jesus Christ, I can feel it coming. Okay. Woo. Um, when I, uh, it's kind of personal for me. Uh, I have a form of uh, bone marrow cancer and it's not going to kill me before anybody freaks out. It's not going to, it's not deadly, but uh, it's called the myeloproliferative uh, neoplasm. 
basically uh, my bone marrow makes too many platelets and right. I've been uh, getting uh, treatment for a few years and uh, I'm happy to say I'm doing very well. Uh, my blood looks like a normal person's blood, which is awesome. So uh, I want to make it very clear. I'm fine. I'm probably going to live as long as everybody else on this planet. So Good. don't freak out because <laughs> when people hear the word cancer, they're yeah. like, oh, sh you know, they they immediately, you know, flip out and think, oh, my God, you're dying. And it's like, no, there's a lot of different types out there. But um, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, I started crying because I'm like, there's hope for somebody like me, you know, somebody whose medical history is not perfect. You know, because um, when I got that news about almost five years ago, about four years ago, I honestly, I know this sounds so dumb because it's like, okay, you know, this should be the last thing you're thinking about right now. But one of the first things I thought of was, obviously the first thing was, you know, oh my God, you know, how am I going to adjust to this? And the second thing was, I'm never going to go to space, <laughs> you know? Mm. I know that sounds stupid, but it's like when your whole life is about space flight, you know, you kind of think about, you know, man, I would love to go to space. You know, I would love a shot at that. I would love just one orbit. That's it. I wouldn't even like an orbit. I would just like a suborbital shot and come back, yeah. you know. And yeah. when you hear certain words, at, you know, at a doc, you know, at an, at an oncologist office, all of a sudden you're like, well, that dream just died, you know. And um, to hear that a cancer survivor, someone who's doing, you know, pretty well. Um, because even if you're a cancer, a lot of people don't know this, even if you're a cancer survivor or you're in remission or something like that, um, you still have to undergo tests to make sure you're okay, you know, because yeah. it can, unfortunately, these things can get worse or they can come back and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of like a life, you know, thing where you have to keep getting checked up. And just to hear that somebody who who's not only, you know, an amputee, but somebody who has, who probably, you know, has to get checkups, you know, every so often, you know, whose medical record is not 100% perfect, getting a chance to go to space, man, that that for me is just a game changer. It really is. I, I think, God, I'm at a loss for words. I'm like so excited for this young lady. Um, It kind of goes with what we talked about last week with the um, ESA, the the drive to get um people who uh, have disabilities to, uh you know, to sign up to, to try to qualify to be an ESA astronaut. And um, I'm really excited for the same reason, because, you know, it used to be uh, I've looked at the NASA astronaut applications and I'm like, there's no way I would ever pass any of this stuff. You know, I mean, not only do you have to be highly educated and I don't have a doctorate, unfortunately, um, you know, you have to be in tip top condition. I mean, you have to everything has to be on point. And now, and now we've got a second story in two weeks of different people potentially well one confirmed but what they're looking for another as well that are going to start going and that that's just yes. the game changer isn't it it is it gives it gives me hope um i oh god here we go again i'm gonna <laughs> i don't want to mention anybody's name because i'm gonna get i'm gonna get dinged but um i really think the hope of space flight is to bring normal people to space because the point is you know one day we're going to maybe have to expand you know out into space eventually and i really think the point of it is to bring you know regular people to space and people with cancer survivors or people with cancer are regular people you know um people who have disabilities are regular people so i think that um it really 
it's just a huge deal. I, I can't emphasize that enough. I'm sorry I went I, I went on such a tangent there, but I just when I heard that, my heart just like, yes, I was like so happy. Well, you used the right word because they're actually naming her seat as Hope. Oh, She's gosh. Got, she has the Hope seat on the on Inspiration 4. Okay, uh, now I'm wolf. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I'm not sure what they're naming the other two seats, but obviously a third seat is going to a contributor to the to St. Jude fundraising. Um, and a fourth seat is going to a winner of an entrepreneur uh, competition, which is being sponsored by the by um, Jared Isaacman's Shift for Shop, I think is what uh, what it was. So um, the, the, an app that he's developing. So um, I, I don't know what they're naming the other two seats, but it's so far one seat being named living up to its name of inspiration for uh, and, and and oddly that i think the least most least inspiring person in this whole thing will probably end up being the jared isaacman of which it wouldn't have happened without him and it's it's one of those things we, we moan about the billionaires uh, yeah. and, and but but at least this one is doing the right doing good here i mean this is this is what you want to see okay you've got some money let's inspire some people and and hearing hearing uh Haley's story and then hearing your story as a result is inspirational and that's what this is all about and it gives us all a little bit of hope and I think it's really important especially with a years with a couple of years we've had or a year we've had yeah. now, or whatever's going on it's like this is another good news story coming from the world of space why are more people not into it Emily I just don't get it I just don't I get it why, why why do we have to try so hard to make other people say oh we, you know what what is this you're into why because it's so inspiring. Like these exactly. stories are just wonderful. You know, it's like you said, you know, it's been the last couple of years have been just so on many levels. I won't get into it. Have just been so difficult, you know, and um, there have been so many days where I've just been, you know, out and about, you know, going to the grocery store, wearing a mask, you know, and you just see people just kind of trudging around and people are just you can tell people are sad. You know, you can tell there's been a lot of grief, you know. And um, it, these stories, you know, the, the first perseverance, obviously, in this week's episode and this story about uh, Haley Arsenault, you know, going to space being, uh, to my knowledge, being maybe I don't know. I'm sure there probably are American astronauts. I don't know about cosmonauts. I'm sure there are American astronauts who are cancer survivors and that maybe they had had it and it, you know, they had surgery and it was removed or something. I don't I honestly could not tell you. But um, to hear about her story and, you know, this, okay, you know, number one, she's differently abled because she's missing a limb. And number two, this, she survived something really tough. Yeah. I haven't gone through remotely what she went through, but I'm sure it was not an easy time for her, her, her yeah. or her family. And yeah. to see somebody like that get a shot. Okay. Now you're going to space, you know, which used to be like sort of the area where only very, you know, educated or very rich people went there, you know, um, to me is just like, this should be on the front pages. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know why they announced it the same day as they knew the Mars press conference was coming. I don't know why they, they did that. They kind of screwed themselves a little bit because it is such an important story. And it, like the, the, imagine being a child with cancer who always look before you got cancer as a child you loved rockets you loved space you always dressed up as an astronaut that was what you wanted to do and now you're going to see someone who 
you'll see photos and images and videos of her as a 10-year-old with no hair and going through it. And you can say, she's going to space now. Exactly. And that, that's Ooh. so powerful. It's so powerful for those kids who, and the kids in the hospital, especially when they can see someone who's helped them out as well do it. You know, one of them. It's it, on so many levels. On so many levels, this is a wonderful story that exactly. hasn't got enough attention, in my opinion. And I'm glad we've been able to cover it. There's, there's, there's two other things here. Uh, she's going to become the youngest American in, American in space. Um, awesome. Beating Sally Ride by two years. Uh, not the youngest person altogether, obviously, because uh, Titov was just 26 when he flew on Vostok yeah. 2 back in 1961, and with which the 60th anniversary is coming up. But Yeah, and mentally he was probably about 12. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll discuss him exactly. in another episode. Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to cover that later this year. But <laughs> Yeah, he was awesome, but he was a little crazy. We'll talk about that at another time. Yeah, so this is a good news story. It's a good news, good news week for for people who like space. So, although although we haven't been able to do our Apollo fourteen episode this week, uh, I think this this both of these stories deserved us talking about them in the lengths that we have done. Uh, and I and and if anyone else has stories that they would like to share, or if we've missed anything out in, in any of this, please let us know because I both of these stories are amazing. And the more I read into them, the more images I'm looking at, the more I'm excited and inspired for our future, and and got some more hope as well. And my parents are getting their first vaccine tomorrow. It's just a good news yes! week, isn't it? Do you know what that I mean? Is like, awesome. Yeah, that is exactly. Awesome. Exactly. That is the awesomest so, news. Uh, that is wonderful. Yep. Good news week. Good news week. Emily, before we go, I've got to do this. I mentioned a few weeks back, uh, we asked people to tweet us things that I'd like to hear you say in a British accent. Uh, now, there are many different accents, so I'm going to let you choose which one you use. Uh, if you can even try and make one that's not a hybrid of many, uh, that's also impressive. Um, but one of our Patreons, Don Irwin, tweeted this one, and it's a good one. Uh, so I've written it down for you, and I'd like you to give it a try. Okay, okay. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm doing this. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. I'm knackered from all of this podcasting. Fancy a cuppa? I don't... I totally probably... Run the, I think I sound Australian and you not British. The, yeah, the cuppa, you definitely sound Australian. Podcasting sounded great. That was that was really okay. good. Cuppa, yeah, I've been you sounded practicing that. Yeah, yeah I sounded like Phil Chapman at the end. I was like, why do I sound like I'm from Australia or something? This is crazy. Hey, Phil, if you're listening. But um, yeah, I'm just like I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, my uh, my my accent was terrible. So yeah, I wanna. I'm trying to. Okay, my husband is trying to tutor me in how to do a Scottish accent. And, oh, yeah, that's, uh, it's, I can't do it's that. It's going terrible so far, just saying so you know, He can do it. He can do it. He's actually uh, half Scottish. Oh, uh, like, okay. And um, he can do it, and I cannot. I'm like, it is so embarrassing. So um, for all of you Scottish people who may be listening to the show, um, I'm probably going to try to do a Scottish accent in the future, and I'm going to probably get canceled in Scotland. <laughs> so. 
Yeah. I, well, I, was, I also think it's a bit unfair that we're picking on your British accent and not <laughs> gi- not giving people what they want. So uh, okay. I, I think it's only fair in future that I also, if you send Emily a challenge for an English accent or British accent, then send an equivalent in an American accent for me to try and do. I was okay. trying to think of what it might be myself. Like, hey, mama, I'd want some of your sweet tea or something like that. But then yeah. I just thought I'm, I'd probably going to get cancelled for saying, hey, mama, or something like that, or trying to do a Southern accent. I don't know. No, but anyway, if you can try and think of something that has like an American equivalent, which I could try uh, try and say, that's uh, <laughs> that, I think that could be fun. Nice little challenge for us there at the end of some some episodes. Do you know what grits are? Grits. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like some sweet tea and grits. You know, or grits. Grits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, mama, I want some sweet tea and grits. <laughs> Well, gravy. Uh, grits and gravy, yeah. Grits and gravy. <laughs> anyway. I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm deceased. That actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad. Feel free to tweet uh, tweet us any other suggestions and we'll have a go. Why not? That's funny. That's all we have time for this week. And uh, we've got plenty of great things planned and recorded already, uh, which will be coming up over the next couple of months. Uh, and you can be the first to find out about these things by joining our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash space and things. A massive thank you uh, to all of our current Patreons. And you guys are really helping us uh, out massively. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but th- thank you also to all of you for listening. And thanks to anyone who clicks the share button. Or if you buy merch or donate as well, you are, you are also all wonderful people. Uh, but As always, we ask you to remember that in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.